1: All right, welcome on to a post-All-Star break edition of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast. We have much to discuss today. We got to get into the NBA 75, which was definitely awesome to see during All-Star weekend. I took a break from my vacation to at least watch that ceremony because I thought that was really cool. But uh, of course, it wouldn't be us if we didn't quibble with uh, some of the selections and John created his own metric-based scoring system, which he called... Creatively enough, goat points. And so we're just going to talk about that, talk about some of the snubs, some of the guys we thought should have been on there. Maybe that shouldn't have been on there as well. But uh, you have a good all-star break?
2: Uh, I did. And I actually, there, there was a little bit of like a genuine break there for me, but I had to... Uh, fly out to utah today so I'm, I'm broadcasting a game tomorrow on cbs sports so uh on thursday night brigham young against loyola marymount so that'll be fun
1: yeah paul what paul westhead still coaching there
2: uh he so they a little bit ago they made some changes so you know they've actually not been to the ncaa tournament since that team with bo kimball
1: wow that's crazy um yeah actually you and I are in the the same time zone. I'm in I am also in mountain time zone in Montana right now. So um but I'm driving back on Friday. Yeah, let's uh let's get to work here. Tell me about how what you I mean just we don't need to go through every single nut and bolt of the system you created, but what were some of the general principles that you were trying to honor when you came up with this?
2: I was really trying to focus on high-level accomplishments, things that would push a team toward championship equity, right? Were you one of the five best players in the league? Were you the MVP? Were you the finals MVP? Were, Were you the caliber of player who could be the best player on a team that wins the championship? If not, which once you get out of the top, say 40 to 50 guys, it's pretty much if not, you know, could you could you have been the second best player on a championship team? Is it is it is it plausible that that you know, you could be kind of the the second all-star caliber player on a great team? And and I don't mean the second best player on a championship team like Otis Thorpe was. I mean like could, could you be the <laughs> the second guy who's really carrying the weight of the team? Uh, on on a really good team. Uh, You know, were you making all-star teams? Were your advanced stats at a really high level? Because basically, I mean, when you look at these, when you look at the time frame and you look at the average kind of peak career length of even an all-star career, if you weren't considered one of the top five players in the league at some point, you probably shouldn't be on this top 75. I mean, maybe if you had extreme longevity, there's definitely a few guys where longevity makes a case for them. So like, if you... If you weren't, you know, all NBA multiple times, like, what are we doing here? Uh, so I, I think, I think that really helped me actually because when I got sort of past the first fifty guys when I was just writing this out on my own, this is why I created this in the first place is because we were making our own list for the athletic. And after the first 50 or so guys, I just had a bunch of names written down and it was like, Alex English or Joe Dumars. I don't know, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) how do do I differentiate them? And and so I tried to create a system for myself just to help organize my thought process. And then when I looked at it, I was like, okay, this is actually kind of decent. Let me refine it and try to uh, make it into more of a finished product. And I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all, but I I do think it's a a really interesting jumping off point for a discussion.
1: Yeah, and you cited that uh, Bill James book back in 1985 that kind of talked about A few of the criteria that uh, you adapted from him are, was he the best player on this team? Was he ever the best player on a championship team? Was his career over at 30? How many all-star caliber seasons did he have? All NBA. Uh, Are there players who have similar stats that are clearly in the top 75? That's sort of a of a thing as well. But I think the biggest thing that appealed to me is some of the stuff like was he the best player in the league at his position, all NBA first team, all NBA second team, because I, If I were ever going to go through and do this, and maybe I will someday, I would want to go back and just rank my subjective top 10 players in the NBA for every year past, you know, probably like 1955 or something like that. Um, And I probably have enough knowledge from maybe like 1965 on just from like my own historical study and watching old games and that sort of thing uh, to really get into that. But that to me, if you were never a top 10 player, I mean, you said top five, top 10 is I think... There are players on this list who were never even a top 10 player in the league, I would say, on the NBA's list. Yeah, and those
2: were, yeah, we'll get into that, but those were egregious failures, I would agree.
1: Yeah, and obviously, the other thing you got to be on guard for, too, is, is this guy just in there because of some bullshit narrative thing where that's really the only thing that holds up, right? Like, okay, you know, Magic Johnson, yeah, he played for the Lakers, okay, but he also, you know, won five championships and multiple-time MVP and, like, clear top-ten player of all time. You know, if we're talking about someone on, uh, say, the uh, 1970 Knicks, uh, then maybe... uh, Yeah. All you've kind of got are these narrative factors of being in a big market on a team that's nostalgicized. Yeah. Absolutely. And having a great nickname. (laughs) Um... So let's get into it here. I mean, I think this to me, I don't know, do you want to concentrate on like the highest levels or I think it's kind of more interesting at the bottom when we're talking about, you know, who should have been on the list, who shouldn't have been, because the object of the NBA 75 wasn't necessarily to rank these guys in order, but just to come up with a, a list of guys. So should we start maybe with the, you know, who are the, the biggest snubs to you and, and is there anything that kind of they have in common? So... Two,
2: I mean, the two that stand out to me were Dwight Howard and Nikola Jokic. And Nikola Jokic, to me, is like a continuation of the of this thing where people don't quite take him seriously as being an awesome player for some reason. And you know, they're like, hey, eh, he was the MVP, but eh, you know, I like
1: yeah. We'll say- keep in mind that that he that this voting all occurred before this season
2: yes yes but, N- but Jokic still. had already had already won an NBA MVP award by that point um and one of the few MVps to not make I think he and Derek Rose were the only ones to not make this uh make this list and you know if you're and it's not like they didn't, you know, Damian Lillard made it Anthony Davis made it. It wasn't like they just didn't put contemporary players on it. I mean, they basically said Carmelo Anthony was the greatest nugget, right? <laughs> Cuz they put him yeah. on the list yeah. and not and not Jokic or, or Alex English actually. Um and so that that was a little bizarre. It here's what I found really bizarre actually, talking about Carmelo. I think Carmelo had a case to be on this list or a case to not be on it. Like, I don't think it's egregious that he was put on it. Um, But relative to Dwight Howard, that was really bizarre. Like, some of these other choices... You get into gray areas where comparing different eras. You know, when you say like, all right, well, you know, maybe I don't think Dave Bing should have been on there, but there are people who saw him play who maybe thought he was better or whatever. Okay, fine. Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard were contemporaries. And like, nobody thought Carmelo was better, right? No. Am I, am I, am I missing something? Dwight Howard uh, well, uh, was the best get... player on a team that went to the finals. It won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, was second in the MVP voting, right? I think he was top five, like three different times. Oh, that was the other thing. I had in the formula was MVP award shares. Were you a factor right. in the MVP voting? Yeah. I mean, and- I mean, Dwight
1: Howard was the best center in basketball from 2008 to 2012. Fi- a five mm-hmm. year, a five season period, he was the best center in basketball. There's nobody else even who can say anything remotely close to that that would was eliminated from this list
2: so now we're going to hold it against him because he's a scrub on the lakers and vault carmelo anthony who is also a scrub on the lakers like what are we doing here
1: (laughs) well unfortunately carmelo anthony is not a scrub on the lakers that's part of why they're in the predicament that they're in but yeah i think like that was one where i think that was just so egregious and i think there was like we talked about how there might be narrative reasons a guy was off or was on the list there are clearly narrative reasons that dwight howard was off the list, and yeah, you know he had, wasn't quite the same player after the back issue, but he still put together all NBA quality seasons through 2015, and then you know he was pretty much done after that. But he had an eight-season run of you know being a top three center in the NBA and a top one center in the NBA for five of those seasons.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and so I I thought that was a complete failure. That that I mean. Jokic is an active player. He'll be on this list the next time anyone makes it for sure. Um, But like Dwight Howard was just—it was like an erasure, right? It was—it was—it was was far more egregious than leaving Dominique off the last list. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Dwight should have been in the top fifty,
0: exactly. Not not to mention the
1: top seventy-five. I mean, um, that's—you know—he was a top-five player in the NBA for like a five-season period. You know, but the Oakage thing is interesting though, because, and especially if we're doing this prior to this season, that are you talking about, are we just saying, you know, who accomplished the most? Are we saying who was the best? you know, I, I do think, you know, Jokic really only had, you know, maybe it w- you could say 18 was close to an all-star level of season. Then 19, you know, he's been all NBA the last three years and MVP the year after that. So that's really only three extremely high level of seasons. Now, so are you, I, I completely understand the argument of, hey, the guy never gets hurt. He's only getting better. And we're going to look stupid if he's not on the list. But if you just, put up his career accomplishments, like, I. if you want to say, hey, he's only really had three All-NBA seasons, even though they were, you know, be- beautiful New York seasons compared to, you know, a guy who was in the All-NBA third team discussion for 10 years in a row or something like that, or an All-Star for 10 years, what's more valuable than that? Like, I can understand, like, he's definitely better than a lot of the players on this list, but I also can understand if you're just saying, hey, like, I think it's a defensible thing to say, hey, like, his career accomplishments are not as much as someone who's a 10-time all-star, even if they didn't have the peak that
2: he But, did. but what about putting Bill Walton on it, then?
1: Or Pete Maravich? Yeah, well, Maravich just wasn't that good to begin with, obviously. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, other yeah than- that,
2: was, that was kind of a joke. Um, but I... So my criteria was: if this guy decided tomorrow that he didn't like basketball anymore, just wanted to go live in a yurt in Mongolia or something, and and we were just judging the, those career accomplishments, how would we view them? And I think we would look at Jokic and say, like, okay, he's he's living in a yurt now, but like he's the best passing big man of all time, and it's not even close. So yeah, I. Uh, I I I still think he makes the cut.
1: I, I mean, he he would he would have been on my team. I, I'm just saying that, like mm-hmm. for him in particular, just because you're only talking about a three to four season sample, like I could understand him being left. Like I could understand if someone left Bill Walton off uh, as well. I mean, so and, and they also just, I mean, the bigger problem was I think that they took all all the same guys from the NBA at 50, just got gifted in, and there were only 25 spots left. Completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah and then and then who's so they gave basically dominique yeah i it was really
2: 51 because there was a do over for dominique right yeah and, and dennis rodman
1: did Shaq make the original team i want to say he oh, did i can't remember cuz it would
2: have been done in it would have been done in 97 or or yeah, uh,
1: yeah 96 97
2: god I don't think he would have made it.
1: Uh, no, yeah, he was on it. Four years into his career, uh, he was on the NBA's Greatest Players. That was in – so I think they did it at the start of the 96-97 season.
2: Okay, well, there's your case for Jokic right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now also – worth yeah, and Jokic, I guess he's made one conference finals appearance. So there, there are players around that. But, yeah, there certainly were not enough players – given for the, or not enough slots for the last 25 years, which I said, I think certainly, you know, I would say the 1970s, which is probably the most disproportionately represented time period was one of the weaker periods in NBA history. I mean, if you're looking at guys who you most associate with the decades of the seven, the decade of the seventies, who's like an all-time great that you really associate with that decade Kareem, Dr. J yeah. And right. ellipsis, like who, yeah, who, who, it was. A, like, it was is a there weird are there any era, other?
2: Not a lot of dominance. I mean, who's yeah? Who's the third best player from the seventies? Rick Barry, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe. But he even you know ha, ha, was kind of in and out of the NBA and the ABA, and yeah, I mean, he he probably had the third highest peak of anyone in the seventies, uh, unless you wanted to say Walton. But, yeah, what but, yeah, but but there isn't another top twenty player of all time who was playing in the 70s. I would say or is most associated with the 70s. Yeah.
2: Com- completely agree. Cuz even a lot of guys were either on their way out or on their way in basically. Yeah. You know,
1: when you look at the all-time lists. Um yeah, and there was like a massive amount of expansion when you consider both the ABA and the NBA going from like 8 to 17 teams over a 5-year period essentially. So, yeah, but those uh but the the New Yorks the New York Knicks won a couple of championships during that period, so uh they they had to be represented.
2: Okay, yeah. So okay, this, this really cemented. We we did talked a while back about the most overrated players of all time. Yeah, this this really cemented to me that actually it's probably Earl Monroe. Like, really, his only claim to be on, on this list is that he played for the Knicks and he had a cool nickname. Um, you know, he was the second best player on a really good Bullets team for one year and made made All NBA. And but like. You look at his career, like even the people who were watching him at the time, they didn't, they weren't voting him for anything, and his there, there's nothing that stands up over time. Like you go back and watch Walt Frazier and Willis Reed, and like you get it, like those guys were good, and even like even relative to like. Dave DeBuscher who is also overrated and should not have been on the team but I think stacked up a lot more career accomplishments than than Monroe did if you like if you look at Dave DeBuscher's career I'll make the argument for him like he was sort of the original stretch four in some ways and he was a really good defensive player uh so there you know I, I he's the top 75 player of all time no yeah, you, you can make but. the
1: argument like that he you know he's kind of Draymond Green like in the sense that his traditional stats don't capture how good he was. Maybe he was just so unbelievable defensively. Like, at least you could make that argument with him. I don't know that anyone is uh, really flaunting Monroe's, uh, other than the fact that he was a really creative-looking player uh, and advanced the game some in that way. But, you know, he's not a guy who's like, oh, yeah, like the stats totally underrate him. It, you'd probably say that most of what he was doing was captured in his stats at the time.
2: Yeah, and even in that era, I mean, he made four All-Star teams.
1: Yeah, and I remember once I watched like a 1972 All Star Game. There were guys on that team that I had literally never heard of before. Like that's how easy it was to make the All Star team in the NBA in 1972.
2: Yeah, I mean the ABA had taken some players. Remember, and you're trying to pull 12 players from each league. Like, yeah, it was wasn't a wasn't a really high bar. So anyway. Yeah, he, he should not have been in the original top 50 and should not have been in the top 75. And he's like, is he just grandfathered in for all time now? Like, we just got to live with this mistake forever? Like, it, yeah. do, do we automatically put him in the top 100 and say, sorry, we can only take 25 more players and one of them has to be Dwight Howard because we screwed it up last time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, honestly, I don't think anyone has the heart to take people off once they've made it like there's just no way that was ever is it, is it like the hall of fame just like
2: whole... once once you're in you're in and we just have to live with it like is is that what we're doing here
1: i i mean probably but it's also I, I mean supposedly it was a whole new voting process but i guess the fact that they gave votes to the players who had already made it that that probably cinched that they, they weren't going to vote it <laughs> <out. laughs> yeah or yeah that's yeah. a good it, point yeah I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the P.O.S., it was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car you need shopify for retail it makes it easy to accept payments manage orders and build relationships with customers you can sell in person backed by everything that you need to sell online track every sale across your business in one place know exactly what's in stock connect with customers in line and online you can drive in-person store traffic with plug and play tools for marketing campaigns on social media Get great hardware that fits your business, Accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. Uh, so, all right. who Who is your second biggest snow about? of Dwight Howard?
2: Uh, so, we talked about Jokic. Um, so, there are two guys who I would say are roughly equal, probably, in snubbage for me. Yeah. Uh Who would be Tracy McGrady
1: and Sidney Moncrief. Sidney Moncrief. That's interesting. All right, give me uh, the case for him.
2: Uh I think he was a he won the first two defensive player of the year trophies, like clearly an elite defender, um, was, was not a great outside shooter, but was still probably the best player on a really good bucks team that just kept running into the Sixers and Celtics in the Eastern conference. Um, which I mean, but at their peak, the Bucks were good enough to sweep the Celtics with Bird and McHale, and in, in a playoff series, and then run into Moses in the next round. So it didn't matter. Uh, so I think the fact that they fell short of making the finals all, all those times really cut into his legacy. He was playing in Milwaukee, so he just wasn't wasn't as known. But like he was, he was a really good player who had a had a pretty long, productive peak. And I think he just kind of gets forgotten.
1: Yeah. Where did he fall in your rankings?
2: He was 64th. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean Mc- that's... Uh, yeah. McGrady, I could talk a little more about because I think he's another one like Dwight where people focus on the ending a little bit. And so they shit on him because of that.
1: But... Yeah. Man, I mean, he was, like, basically, he was basically done at 27, right? I mean, from age 21 to 27, he made the All-Star Game every year. His... Uh, 2003 season the one where they go up 3-1 in the first mm-hmm. round over the number one seeded Pistons and then end up losing is probably one of the all-time great forgotten season averaging 32 points a game in the dead ball era and yeah. shooting 39% from three on six attempts a game which was a ton back then and it was I mean he was although you know the whole thing about him never getting out of the first round like his numbers in the first round were always pretty damn good especially in an as an underdog uh getting them to that 3-1 lead he was unbelievable yeah in that um you know and had scored that on probably i think you know four or five points of true shooting above the league average on a team that had, i mean you know who is the second best player on that team andrew de pat garrity i think both those guys i know he played with those guys at one point but uh Mike Mike Miller was there for a while, but then they, they no, yeah. then they ch- traded him to get
2: some like fake quasi star. I forget who it was, but yeah, they, no, that was basically just. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, um, that that Detroit series, you're right. I mean, he was amazing, and that that Detroit team was awesome defensively and could not stop him. And so that that was that that was really impressive. I actually thought he was really good. You know, the year they lost to Utah. When they were up 3-2, I actually covered that game seven. And w- what I remember was that McGrady and Yao were actually pretty good, and they just had no help at all. And then Yao could not guard Carlos Boozer was the other thing. And, and yeah. that well, was really why they he lost. He couldn't,
1: guard, he couldn't guard Mehmet Oker, who stood at the three-point line, so they had to put him and, on Boozer. And thus and he, he had to guard, guard Boozer,
2: Boozer yeah. who he also could not guard. guard. Yes, yes, yeah.
1: No, that was, uh, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, I I still remember like in game seven, it was their last gas and there was this long rebound and Yao just like wasn't fast enough to run it down. And I think that they got the Jazz got an offensive rebound and ran it out. They got uh, and, they got
2: like four straight offensive rebounds on a possession within the last 2 minutes. I, re- I remember that very vividly. Yeah. And and that was one of them. You're right.
1: Yeah, but but I mean McGrady uh, in all these playoff losses, you know, he's averaging over 30 points a game on like reasonable efficiency most of the time. Um okay. So yeah, I I would say McGrady too. I mean, cuz to me, you know, he had some seasons where he was a top 5 player at even in top ten, you know, probably from like oh two until oh seven he was a top ten player, I would say, and the top thing, five for a couple of those years.
2: The thing that stood out to me, top eight and MVP voting six times.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um and and I, I mean I think, you know, if we look at Damian Lillard made it on as a modern player who and I think he Damian Lillard is better than some of the guys who made it on in the previous 50 but there are a lot of guys who I think in the modern era should have made it over Damian Lillard because Lillard doesn't have it at least as of now he hasn't played any more seasons than McGrady did and you know Lillard is probably topped out as maybe you know the eighth best player in the league at most during this period whereas that was probably the worst that McGrady was during an equivalent period yes
2: that's a good point uh and doesn't really have like the crazy playoff resume i mean i guess he got the he i'll take that back he's got two knockout blows in the playoffs but he he's uh you certainly you you think more about kind of regular season stuff with him because they'd never made like that deep amazing playoff run and the one time they got to the conference finals right you think about cj in game 7 against denver
1: yeah no, I agree. Um. Oh, well, although he he did have that shot, to, he was unbelievable in the first round against OKC. But yeah,
2: yeah, um, he he had the two kill shots, right? The OKC game and the Houston game, uh, from 2013 was it?
1: Yeah, uh, 14. Yeah, the uh Ch- the Chandler Parsons switch. Um. So I, I, who else then? Was a snub who should have made it over some of these other guys who are already on there, you think?
2: This is where I got into the gray area. Because I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to call this guy a snub. But it was like, maybe should have got more consideration than he got. Uh Chauncey Billups.
1: Huh. That's interesting. Ever, was he ever a top 10 player in the NBA, though?
2: That is a tough one there. Uh I think he had longevity. I think he played. I mean, he was a finals MVP. Nearly won it twice. If Tim Duncan doesn't have a great fourth quarter in San Antonio, he wins it twice.
1: Um, I, I mean, does he have that much longevity? He basically was only good from, like, 03 to 09.
2: Okay, I'm thinking about the back of his career. He didn't have longevity at the front of his career, I guess, because it took him so long to ramp up.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, like, the first six years of his career, I mean, there was a reason he signed for, you know, he's the best mid-level signing ever, probably. But there was a reason he signed for the mid-level in Detroit mm-hmm. after, you know, five, four or five years into his career, whatever it was. Yeah, I, I, I would not have... I mean, okay. I think between like Pau Gasol and uh, – Pau Gasol was Kyrie a guy Irving, I thought
2: would – I really thought he was going to make it.
1: Well, so I guess this is this is what it, it comes down to. I mean, if we really – if we say, hey, you know what? Let's just say that this is just the 25 guys who didn't already make it. Like if that's if that's really what it is, mm-hmm. they did a pretty decent job, right? Like if you absolve them of the sins of the past, I think the only one would have been probably Howard over Lillard for me. I'm not sure what other um you know and maybe Carmelo McGrady over Carmelo. Yeah. The, that yeah. probably or, – or, I mean, there's a lot of – I would have put Gasol over Carmelo. I would have put mm-hmm. – uh, I mean, honestly, I think Paul George has been a better player than Carmelo. I would have had Kyrie Paul over George,
2: him. Paul George, he has a really interesting case for this. Like, he's building up a lot of just little markers on his resume. He probably needs a couple more high-end seasons to w- to where he'd really graduate into this group. Um, the the – uh, the other guy to talk about, I think, is Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I mean, he again, another guy who kind of, I mean, after like 2000, he was kind of done, but you know, that was due to the kidney issue, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely you know a top you know, 10 to 15 player. I mean, one of the, one of the better defensive players during uh, that rock ball era.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then Chris Weber would be the other one.
1: That's yeah, that's another interesting. I mean, he just made it to the Hall of Fame this year, right? Yeah, so. yeah,
2: which is which is interesting because generally we're dealing with the the upper crust of the Hall of Fame class, right? Like every single person we're talking about is a Hall of Famer, or like wh- why are we even <laughs> why are we even bothering uh, to discuss yeah. this person? And so C, C- Web should have been in the Hall of Fame right away. I I feel like, but.
0: Yeah, his, yeah he, he, his
2: place in the top 75 is a little, you know, it, again, where I'm like, eh, you know, like, <laughs> I could, you know, I could argue it either way. I'm not really going to get super uh, feisty about it.
1: Yeah. I, so this is an interesting part of it, too. And I, I think this is something that's come up in this a lot, uh, as I've thought about th- these questions of. Again, like how good were you versus accomplishment? And I am willing to give a little bit of a benefit to the guys who actually were there and produced at the highest levels and left really left their mark on in NBA history when it comes to championships. And I always, like the comparison I always come up with is KG versus Tim Duncan. I think there's a pretty decent argument that KG had the higher regular season peak than Tim Duncan. We know that the team around him was completely mismanaged, but- we know that, and it's very possible that KG might have performed just as well in playoff and final situations as Tim Duncan, but we know that Tim Duncan was able to do that because he did it. And we don't know that about KG. So there's just a little bit more uncertainty over KG. And they, you know, Chris Weber versus, say, Chris Bosch you know, would be another kind of, I think, relatively similar quality of players. Hmm. But Chris Bosh was there and, you know, that was partially because he made the free agent decision to go to a team uh, with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. But we knew that he was a- able to produce uh, during those periods. We also saw when he was the leading guy in Toronto, he put up some pretty good numbers there too. So I'm kind of, I do give a little bit of weight to maybe not as much as the, you know, rings crowd. But I do give like that's a bonus to put a guy over the top to me in the event of a tie.
2: Okay, okay.
1: So yeah. like that's why you know Gasol, I would have I would have probably had in there mm-hmm. as well. Um,
2: Got to get some the Green too. Yeah. Draymond Green Sorry, and Clay Thompson are are interesting ones because they, they don't have kind of the traditional resume of like a lot of these other top 75 guys. Now, maybe they'll build that as they get more stuff on their plate as their careers go on, but they're both kind of toward the tail end of the road too. So that, that's yeah. going to be an interesting one.
1: Well, I think if Draymond could have just stayed healthy and won defensive player of the year this year, which I think he would have if he had stayed healthy, then I think he could have maybe cemented it. But yeah, I mean, for Draymond and Clay, you're like Draymond didn't even become a starter until 2015. So he basically had six years that that actually count for him because, you know, the 15 and 50 2020 season was awful. And Clay, same thing. I mean, you know, probably 2013, 2014, it wasn't really all star caliber. So he's really only got five all star caliber seasons as well. But they, you know, were maybe on the greatest team in NBA history and one of the greatest dynasties. Um, and you know they were really, really good. So yeah, that's you know that's tough to say. I, I mean, I would still have to say that you know McGrady would be higher than someone like Klay Thompson or Draymond Green to me. Uh, I mean because McGrady has more longevity than those guys. And I don't know <laughs> that either of those guys that's were a crazy ever top ten thing to players. S-
2: that's a crazy thing to say right now. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. you're right. Uh, what do you think about Manu Ginobili?
1: Yeah, it's really tough. Obviously, if you're including any international accomplishments, that would would boost him on this quite a bit. I think on a per-play basis, he's got an argument. It's just there weren't that many plays in the end with him and he just whether it was his style or the way he was coached or whatever you know he just wasn't able to play that many minutes uh you know i mean what did he make two all-star teams yeah i think that's right yeah, um, yeah. and yeah and you know i think there's an argument that he could have made more um how many all nba's did he have it can't have been not, more than like not many i two. mean
2: he did not fare well via goat points because of that even though his advanced stats were good just his his pile of 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 stuff that you accumulate, you know, just the All-NBAs, the All-Stars, whatever, just was a, a very small pile.
1: Yeah, I would have had Tony Parker ahead of him, probably. Um, even if you want to make the argument that Manu at his absolute best was better than Parker at his absolute best. But I think that Parker just... Played more and um, was a bigger part of what was going on for the Spurs longer into his career. Yeah, I mean, it was was a more like consistent All Star, I would say.
2: Uh, was a Finals MVP actually in the four games with yeah. Cleveland.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there were probably three Spurs who could have been Finals MVP before you picked anyone on the Caps in that series. <laughs> that was that was not a a close series.
2: The. Uh, it, the funny story. So I was covering that series. There were supposed to be two days off in Cleveland before Game Five. So that
1: oh god that, that game oh yeah because that was back the old the old two three two. It right? was a
2: two three two the the no cheering in the press box rule was completely waived for that game four cuz like it's <laughs> a 3- it's a three oh 0 series right like you know it's over and everyone's just like dreading you know of like oh uh, 72 more hours in cleveland like great like no disrespect <laughs> yeah. to the fine people of cleveland but we we we'd already had 4 days to cleveland out so like we we were all well well and done there so anyway that, that 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 was a fun time but yes tony parker was the mvp of that series
1: What did you think of Dennis Rodman being included?
2: I got it, but I didn't totally agree. I would have left him off.
1: Yeah. Uh, To me, again, it's just one of these things that, you know, what is the point of this list, right? Where, I, I mean, you did a feature earlier this year. You concluded that he was the greatest rebounder of all time, right? Yes. Yeah. And so that is a pretty core skill. He was also a great defensive player. He also won five championships, which is a big part of it as well so i you know it's kind of like yeah we don't we don't necessarily like the i it kind of makes more sense for me for him to be in the hall of fame than on the top 75 list. like the hall of fame you can kind of you've got like a few more spots to fuck around with than on the top 75 but you know i get like dennis rodman didn't have a ton of longevity you know basically probably like 80 7 to 98 and you know also had some teams that he torpedoed due to his antics as well like the in the 90 antonio. 95
2: san antonio which actually that was his best regular season i think of of, of all his seasons but yeah he completely torpedoed yeah. that team in the conference finals so well him and akim Well but
1: there, there were there was some of that too, too.
2: yeah <laughs> definitely
1: <laughs> um but yeah i think it, another guy who at no point was he a top 10 player at no point was he a top 20 player absolutely so like he he's an important part of the story of the nba but i don't i if you're trying to win as many basketball games as possible he's not one of the top 75 players of all time i i agree on that one and that was another one of the ones actually so yeah actually i should say he's another one of the ones that i would have replaced with one of the more modern guys because he was not on the uh the initial 50 of course um That's right. a couple of other snubs I, I think okay. a lot of people uh, I wouldn't have had him on but I think like Ben Wallace is someone who I think would be pretty close here another guy who just didn't quite have the longevity I don't think in the end he probably only had like I mean he had 5 or 6 great seasons yeah um but
2: a sh- it was a, it was a, yeah it was a short peak and he was just never offensively you know more than a fourth or fifth option
1: yeah like, if you want to compare, like, Rudy Gobert's offense to Ben Wallace's offense, like, Rudy Gobert completely destroys Ben Wallace. Rudy Gobert, actually, is someone who maybe yeah. isn't quite there yet, but he might be deserving of being on the list. I, I could see him making the next one. He needs he needs a yeah. few more,
2: like, put together a couple more years at this level. Um uh, and he's going to have, you know, it's hard because getting, just getting on the All-NBA team as a center for these next couple of years with Jokic and Embiid, like you got <laughs> to beat out everyone else, right? So yeah. th- that's going to be a little bit, but if he's, if he ends up with like seven Defensive Player of the Year trophies or something, which I mean, he might, and like, th- then I think he's going to have a real case.
1: How about uh, Dikembe?
2: Yeah, I just couldn't get there. Uh, I
1: He's just so he- stiff offensively.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like, when you start asking the question, like, was he ever – What? like, he was – at his peak, he was like a fringe all-star. He was never – I just, I yeah, just don't –
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he – he probably was underrated a little bit just because defense in general was underrated. But yeah, just tough to. I don't know. Maybe I'm just letting the aesthetics of his game and just like cursing whenever he'd come into the All Star game in his like <laughs> Hawks uniform in 1998. I, he obviously was a very good player who, I, like, it's not like those Hawks teams were juggernauts without him, right? Like, he was making their defense good on his own. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And he also didn't have that long of a peak. Either I mean he had a lot of longevity, but he started so late I- in life. Um, yeah, I think like Joel Embiid is another one where it just doesn't quite have enough yet, but will probably be on there.
2: Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic were actually when I made my initial list, like they were really close, even just on the you know hmm. even even just on what they've done to date. They they weren't as high up as uh, as Jokic, but they they've already lapped a lot of people in my mind. Uh, Grant Hill's an interesting debate. I, I I think he just he the injuries cut too much out of his peak, but he for a couple years there he was
1: pretty awesome. Yeah, more. Than, I mean, he was yeah definitely a, t- a top ten, maybe even a top five guy towards the end of his. T- I mean, like some of those teams, he was on a, one, a Detroit Pistons team that won fifty four games. Can you name one other player who was on those teams with him? Was that the year they had Scott Pollard on their team? <laughs> Terry Mills. <laughs> Original stretch five, Terry Mills. Wow.
2: Yeah, I I think
1: Alan Houston was on those teams for a little bit, but then he went to the Knicks. I think Stackhouse maybe was on one of those later teams with him. They didn't have a good team. (laughs) Yeah, it was him and Doug Collins squeezing the air out of the ball every possession, and that was their team. um But all right, all right. So, so give me your top five guys. We wrap up here. Top five guys who should have been on the team, and the top five guys who probably should have been off.
2: Okay. Um, you know who you know who we didn't mention. Actually, I actually thought he was going to end up making the team. Uh, and he has a very similar case to Carmelo Anthony. Like nobody has talked
1: about Vince Carter at all. Yeah, I just don't think his peak was ever high enough. I think he had maybe like two or three years as a top ten player, and that. And you know, when you yeah. go back and look,
2: that's really the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. McGrady's peak was actually much, uh, you think of them as in a similar vein, but like McGrady's peak, if you really look at it, was way higher.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, what about, I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kyrie versus Dame is a really interesting one, too. Like, those guys, when I've done my top 10 players in the NBA rankings until Kyrie went completely off the deep end the last three years, uh, those guys are always kind of neck and neck with each other. Kyrie has the better postseason resume. But
2: Kyrie it just has too many half seasons for me. Yeah. Like, no, there's that's just, true. There's just not enough there there. So, and, and this year is going to be another one. So, I... I I I just think his his accomplishments basket is only half full right now, and he, like you can't just get in on postseason, and and it's yeah. not even that many post seasons,
1: right? No, I, I agree. So all right, so so yeah. What's a, what's our top five then? Uh, of should have been on McGrady and Howard for sure, right?
2: Yeah, I mean I would have Jokic on mine. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I would say I would say Tony Parker and and Pau Gasol wow. I would put ahead of Jokic at this at this point in time. I think Jokic okay. will be better than either of them. But if we're just saying, especially before the start of this year, mm-hmm. um because I also I know Jokic won an M V P last year. But I also don't think he's a top five player in the NBA last year. I, I know that's a somewhat controversial opinion, but this is uh, half my show. So I'm going to give okay. that opinion. <laughs>
2: okay. If, um, if he, was not, if so, he yeah. was not a top five, he was definitely close to being a top five. It was, it was, it it would not have been ridiculous to rank him in the top five.
1: No, no, it wouldn't have been. Uh, I mean, and during the regular season, I thought he was the best player in the NBA yeah. last year. I just don't, I don't think it works as well for him defensively in the playoffs, but uh so, so Sorry, so here's my five. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, after go those ahead. three, I would say p- former Grizzlies legend, Pau Gasol at, at, is the fourth one, and then Sidney Moncrief.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've Moncrief is one where I probably need to research him a little bit more, uh, particularly because so much of it was based on his, uh, his defense. So uh, I would say McGrady, Howard, Parker, Gasol, and Chris Bosh would be the five that I think uh were the biggest snubs and and uh who are your five biggest anti-snubs what's the opposite of a snub uh gift gifted uh is, it, yeah. is that the word you want
2: to use uh yeah. okay so 1970 Nick step right up uh monroe debusher jerry lucas like what are we doing
1: um yeah monroe and lucas for sure i would say um uh
2: Pete Maravich and then of of the modern players who were put in um yeah i i mean rodman i i think i'd probably yeah. go rod you know J- you know who doesn't have a great case actually is james worthy and people just just automatically roll out the red carpet for him he was, I mean, he was the MVP of a seven game finals It's the strongest thing on his resume, but like did not have a strong, did not have a long career, not a lot of like all, all NBA, voted in as a starter to the all-star game a few times, but not, not sure he would have been picked all those years. Like it's, it's actually a much, he's like really famous, but it's, it's a much shakier resume than people think.
1: I mean, yeah, like there are probably, I would say... Ten of the old players that I would love to put new guys on for instead. Um, You know, Dave Bing was kind of a questionable one for for me too. I'd say yeah, Dave
2: Bing and Lenny Wilkins. I thought of the guys from the '60s; those were the two that were like, yeah, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lenny Wilkins was like a nine-time All-Star or something like that. But uh, also, I I don't recall anybody being like, yeah, man, Lenny Wilkins was just dominating. Like his his game was unbelievable. Like you you don't hear those sorts of. uh, those sorts of pains to him um yeah but yeah i mean i i would have you know jokic draymond eh, clay thompson is kind of little dicey Kyrie, i mean chris bosh i think all these guys you know carter is kind of on the borderline i'd say ginobili is ahead of a lot of these guys too but uh, if i have to give my five yeah i'll say the th- the three next: monroe debusher and lucas rodman god i want to say robert Parrish so badly <laughs> I actually, just, yeah.
2: I actually, the more I did this, I, I thought I was going to end up being completely anti-parish making it. And the more I did this, the more I got, kind of got on the side of like, he probably just gets in there. Um, uh, did, did actually have a year where he factored in the MVP voting and was, and was all NBA, um, uh, was a huge part of multiple awesome teams, played for a really long time. Like he has just enough on his resume where, I'm actually okay with him being in the seventy five.
1: Yeah, just watching him play offense, I just am like, man, this guy was an All NBA player. <laughs> just he was so baseline was spin, so incredibly stiff. Baseline spin. Uh, he did have an incredibly high release on his turnaround jumper. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, and, and, and ju- it was just yeah. all wrist. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's uh, he, he and Paul Gasol are right up there for least exciting dunkers of all time. <laughs> Just like, like, so many, like so many of those bird passes. Like, can you just cut it off right when the guy receives the pass? Like, we don't need to see the finish. <laughs> 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 but he was also really good defensively. They had some great defensive teams as well. He was a big part of that. Like, I, I can't in good conscience actually say that he shouldn't be on there. But uh, he would not make my all-aesthetic 75. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> fair, fair.
1: All right, So I, so I need a fifth. I think I'll probably I'll probably go with Dave being on that one, especially not someone who ever really figured it all in in the postseason either. Yeah. Um all right, well this was fun. Yeah. Let's uh let's rule team out of the playoffs.
2: Okay. Have have I have I ruled out the Orlando Magic yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, I actually have ruled out two X next to the magic <laughs>
2: uh,
1: on our sheet here. Uh, we last did this on February second, so it's been a few weeks now. Okay. Uh, I ruled out Sacramento. You ruled out Indiana. We have all the same teams except I have Portland ruled out rather than Indiana. You have not ruled out Portland yet. Yeah. Huh. So I'm—I mean, Portland is what like three games ahead in the for the tenth seed right now. Although, yeah, the although it's just, that-
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Joseph. Hey, <laughs> Yusuf. Yeah, I. I th- I th- I think your foot hu- I think your foot hurts. No no no, it's fine. No 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 no, no. I think your foot hurts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean they could theoretically still extend him before the end of the season. That's it an wouldn't int- shock me to see that. That is an interesting one. Uh but it, it, it seems fate accompli that he's going to be back there next year. I mean to at this point they,
2: they're just gonna have no tall people at all if he leaves like i just don't see how it works even with cap space yeah. or whatever
1: is that still on their team That's no true. he's a, uh
2: he's a, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry I, I was just channeling neil O'Shea shade there for yeah. a second so uh, i should go first here i think the indiana pacers uh, are the one for me uh here on february 23rd they are now 20 and 40 mm-hmm. but yeah. uh I, I'm interested to see where you go here because, I mean, Portland is pretty close to the 10th seed. But then, I mean, the other thing that you have, too, is like, you know, they're not going to get out of the 10th seed, whoever this 10th seed is, you would think. Seems so seems, we,
2: ve- seems very unlikely, right? But you, you still don't like that puncher's chance of the one-game playoff, right? So uh, I'm actually going to go in a different direction. Uh, start spreading the news. I'm knocking out the New York Knicks. They are 9 games under 500. They are about to play a murderers row of schedule. They just shut down Kemba Walker for the year. Uh I, I just think they're already in kind of blame mode and and figure out next year. Uh, I I just have a hard time seeing them even getting to 10 given that I mean I mean I think Atlanta's going to end up over 500. Charlotte, I I have trouble seeing mended up too far below 500. So, you're you're asking the Knicks to go 16 and 7 in their last 23 games just to get to 500? Like they're not doing that.
0: It seems rather unlikely. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.
1: But let's talk about this. This is a good chance, actually, to do a little post-mortem on them because you know, Kemba Walker now is not going to play the rest of the year. It sounds like he's going to be traded almost certainly in the offseason. I I presume they tried to trade him at the deadline and just couldn't. And it's not like they have a ton of other point guards available. I think uh, you know maybe Tibbs is still playing him, but now they want to see whether Quickly he could be a point guard. And, you know, I think that's something that they need to figure out potentially as well, but... It, I mean, I guess my first question to you is: Is Tom Thibodeau the coach of this team next year? I I'm starting to feel like maybe not, and and that was one of the things I wrote about earlier
2: this week. Is just when when a team starts looking for a scapegoat, it's because they think they're going to need one, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, this is just inevitable. It's the way the league works, unfortunately. Like I think Thibodeau, for whatever his weaknesses are. Like the Knicks should not be shocked where they are in the standings. If you just if you just told them before the year, Julius Randle is gonna to regress to just be like a completely average player again. Then you just had a roster of all like on a scale of one to ten, their roster was just all fives, right? So you can't like you you're just not gonna get anywhere with that. And so it ends up that he's just actually it's a good thing in a way because it prevents him from playing any smaller subset of guys forty-seven minutes a game because they're all about as good as each other so they all just rotate in and out or whatever it actually saves him from his biggest weakness arguably so I think putting all this on him is a little unfair yes his offense could be more creative yes there are some other weaknesses here that that probably should be discussed yes it's a little weird that they trade for Cam Reddish and he refuses to play him. But the bigger picture is, like, you can't be surprised that this team is where it's at.
1: Yeah, particularly with the random regression. I was more optimistic. I think I their over-under was, like, 41.5, and I picked them to win 43, 44 games, and... Uh, they've had a lot of health issues as well, but of course they were reliant on Derek Rose as maybe their best player this year. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I thought, I didn't think Randall would be quite as good as he was last year, but I also didn't expect him to shoot 27% from three after 42% last year. And like his, I mean, he can't, he won't even take a, like a mid post isolation jumper anymore. Like he can't make, he can't anything from mid range and he can't, his numbers for mid range were, you know, like 41% or something last year. But now he's like, you know, you, you can't even have him taking that shot anymore this year. It's so bad. So uh, that regression is probably not Thibodeau's fault. They are, I mean, you can complain about the offense and it is quite station to station, but they are taking a ton of threes this year, a lot more threes than they took last year. You hoped that the personnel would get them there. And, you know, they've had they've had a lot of injuries at center. That's a big part of what uh, Tibbs relies on defensively. But I think more so the R.J. Barrett sprained ankle, the not playing reddish, like all the things that have haunted Thibodeau in Chicago, it's starting to feel like just the same shit again on repeat.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I, and I I can't dispute that either. Um, so I I actually like I'm of two minds on this because I don't really think he's the right coach for this team, and at the same time, I don't think blaming him really solves the things that ail them either.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, like I, I'm I thought their offseason was okay. Maybe it was a year too long on Fournier, but the rest of their deals were only two years. They weren't I mean, it's not like they were gonna be like knocking it out of the park with cap space this offseason, like signing those guys to two year deals. It's not the end of the world. They're still tradable. They've drafted reasonably well since Leon Rose came yeah. in. I just never really understood the Thibodeau hire, but I mean the, you should have understood what you're getting with Tom Thibodeau. Like you've made that point, especially given how you know, the CAA connections and all that.
2: Yeah. I I mean, they set themselves up with those decisions they made to basically – being average to, you know, whatever team this year. I hope that they thought they'd be better than this, I think, because they thought Randall would be better than this. But it was basically still like Julius Randall and a bunch of average players. And let's see if that's good enough to lure another star to the Big Apple because we don't have one right now, right? That That's the whole logic. Yeah. So that's why you do the contracts the way you did and, and have done the draft and some other stuff the way they've done it.
1: Yeah, and I... I the other problem is they're never going to tank obviously with Divino and I don't know how much Walker being out is going to help them also RJ Barrett has had some encouraging moments but I still don't quite see him as on like that all-star path I think he's actually gotten better than I thought he would be by this point but he's also he doesn't look like he's going to be that second star that's going to lure the first star either and yeah so looking like last year you know if they could have just been bad last year and gotten a, a high pick they really kind of short-circuited themselves by the fool's gold of last season with that Thibodeau defense
2: yeah and and the uh the the three-point drug too
1: yeah I mean you know if they had Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy or Jonathan Kuminga on this team yeah they'd be, they'd a lot be more in a much better shape right now right yeah. yeah so I don't know I mean it seems like they are once again just kind of stuck in purgatory I think they could have been a little bit better of a team this year but you know they were never going to be a threat and so I like but you're right I mean what the plan is right now I just I don't know hope for some lottery luck this year I guess
2: i I still think that they, they set themselves up to trade for an unhappy star, so that's what they're hoping happens either this summer or at the next trade deadline,
1: yeah, and I think there's been reporting that Lillard is no longer enamored uh, of them because uh, he'd go there and they probably would be about the same team as Portland is so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that that's funny because I had heard whispers like last year that 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 lillard at least was was if he was going to be partial to go into somewhere that
1: that might be the place. but. That seems to have yeah. died down quite a bit. Yeah, it seemed like he never had even the slightest interest in Philly or that, that yeah. deal maybe would have gotten done. But um, let, let's do this quickly here. we got a few minutes left. What do we think now after the trade deadline of like who the favorites are in each conference?
2: It just got a hell of a lot more interesting in the East, I think, because Philly and Brooklyn obviously both improved their odds tremendously. Uh, and then the the COVID thing in New York now, where they might they might allow Kyrie to play in home games by by May. I mean, that that's a game changer. And then Boston, like whatever you think of that Tice move, I mean, the Derek White trade made their. Made their made their right now a lot more appealing. If they could stay, they have no bench at all now. But if they could stay healthy with their top six guys, that
1: like Boston looks really good too. Yeah, I just don't think they have enough offense to win it in the end. I, but I just, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, are the we still haven't seen Ben Simmons at all? I don't think that the Nets are going to be able, even if Kyrie can play in home. Let's say two weeks from now or three weeks from now, he can play in home games again. KD comes back I still don't think they're going to be able to avoid the play and I think the uh, that top six is just too far ahead of them so yeah I, I mean I do think that uh maybe the Nets are the favorite but you know, I don't know how they guard Giannis either the Bucks, like their depth is a problem this Connaughton injury is an issue for them hopefully they're, he'll be back but their defense really, their
2: defense without Brooke Lopez is not the same
1: no no and I don't know whether they're whether Lopez is going to come back or whether they're going to get anything about Ibaka. I mean so All of these teams have just massive question marks. I would say the team that I have the fewest questions about, maybe it doesn't have the highest ceiling, but the team I have the fewest questions about right now is the Miami Heat.
2: Yes. I mean, they've, they've quietly put together a hell of a first half of the season where they had the injuries to Butler and Adebayo and just kept winning anyway with these you know with these Caleb Bartons and Max Struces and uh, Gabe Vincents and whatnot. Uh, tremendous job with them using the back of their roster and building that up without a lot of resources this off season. And no, now you that have was, now, that was incredible. Now you have Butler back, you have Adebayo back, you have Kyle Lowry, but you still you try to line that up against the best five that Philadelphia or Brooklyn or Milwaukee or Boston could put on the floor. And you still kinda go, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can call you a favorite.
1: Yeah. I think yeah, I mean that's if Kyrie can play, that changes everything. I do think, but the Nets also don't really. I mean, are they going to play Drummonds? They've got they just signed Dragic, so now they have three point guard size guys, and I guess they're going to play two of them at once. Like, how good c- can their defense be there? What the hell are they going to get out of Ben Simmons? We have no clue on that at, at all. Once, uh, and we're not going to find out until I would assume until after he plays or or after they play at Philly. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I, this would be my position. I, don't, I wouldn't give any team in the East greater than a 30% chance of winning it right now.
2: I think that is a great way to look at it. I, I, I think that's really accurate. And I mean, we haven't even talked about like Cleveland or Chicago. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, we don't need to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, it's, it's just so wide open. And yeah, I, I could see either of those teams maybe winning a round. I just don't see them. I'm not completely dismissing them, but I so so give me give me your power ranking in the east right now. Maybe yeah, not it's, a it's it's hard, it's it's really hard. I'm gonna say heat.
2: I'm gonna I'll, I'll give Miami blocks. the the one spot because they're probably gonna be the one seed, and I do think the fully healthy version of that team is very good. So I'll give them the one spot. I think Brooklyn still has a lot of questions, like. You know, Kyrie gets hurt all the time too. You're right. We don't know what Simmons is going to be. The back end of that roster is bad. Like it's just bad, and, and we saw it during that eight game losing streak.
1: Yeah, they so, have no three and D players whatsoever. Like you, it's really hard to win a championship without anybody like that. Yeah, or they, get they, to the finals even.
2: Yeah, would, like if Kessler Edwards is one of the guys you're
1: counting on.
2: That's yeah, that's that's a tough one. I would I I might make uh. I might make Boston the two seed.
1: You might make who the two seed? Boston. I
2: don't know, but that's oh, a tough one too because they did because they, they this thing with them is they run into Giannis and they have nobody who can guard Giannis, right? Did they have have they found anybody? Uh, guard Al, Giannis? Al Horford. Al Horford. Is Al, I mean, Al, Al Horford is a
1: him. better. I mean, it, he's he's a better solution than a lot of these teams have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say Heat one, Bucks two. Okay, Nets. Three. God, can I go Sixers? Sixers four or Celtics? I'm not sure. I think I still would have to go Sixers four. Celtics five. I, I just don't trust them to score in the postseason. There's a lot I don't trust about the Sixers too. Yeah. And then...
2: And then you get into Chicago,
1: Cleveland, Toronto. I still wouldn't even like totally dismiss the Hawks. I mean, they're, they're going to be in the play-in, but like I think they could beat some of these teams. Like I, if the Cavs played the Hawks, I would probably pick the, the Hawks over them. I don't think... Wow. I don't think that matters. Up is a very high likelihood of happening yeah this is this is completely insane i can't remember the last time it's gonna be awesome like so many new teams new yeah players you know maybe maybe the bulls will just totally surprise me and i'll i'll be wrong or the Cavs could win around. or i mean the celtics have been dominating but i also they don't have as much top end talent as some of these other teams either i mean i i, I do think though the one thing that might happen is just the bucks get there and that they, like, they have the highest ceiling of this group to me. I agree with
2: that, yeah. And they're still holding out hope that Brook Lopez can be back. Although, you know, post-back surgery, like, I, I, I just don't know if they're getting back the same guy.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm not a, a big believer in Dante DiVincenzo for 30 to 35, or I'm sorry, not he's not on the team anymore, Grayson Allen for 30 minutes a game either defensively.
2: No, I mean, last year in the playoffs, I mean, Utah really ran right at him. And so, if, yeah. if you're asking him to guard quickness on the perimeter, yeah, that's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, and they can't. It's really tough to switch with him as well. They don't have any kind of a stretch four. Like they've got some talent, it just doesn't fit together. I don't believe in Portis being a starting center defensively either, because you've got to trap everything on the perimeter with him, and the, then like that's going to get carved up. Even if you do have Giannis behind the line, uh, behind him. So, like, they they definitely have some issues for sure, but they also, I mean, that big three is probably the best big three of any team. Um, How about the West? It's, the
2: West is... Less interesting, I think, but still potentially interesting. Uh, what are the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray? How, how much? How much does that lift them up?
1: Does that get them and into possibly the- Porter? And- there's even a, there's yeah. a report from Mike Singer that he might be back as well. Yeah. So, like the peak version of the Nuggets is still
2: something I think those those top teams have to worry about um, facing Luca in a playoff series. I think is something those top teams have to worry about although i just don't think dallas has enough now to to really you know maybe they could spring one surprise but i i can't see more than that uh i still i mean phoenix has been so good that you just have to install them as the favorite i think
1: but what what about the uh the cp broken thumb you're just assuming he'll be back six i just think he's
2: i just think he's getting his playoff injury out of the way now is the way i look at it
1: (laughs) that poor bastard man like he, he he uh you know, basically played the entire regular season for two years in a row and then like had two separate absences in the playoffs. They still made it to the finals last year. Yeah. Um, I think Golden State, if Draymond Green is back at 100%, I think they're the favorite and they probably would be my favorite to win the championship.
2: I do think that the team that comes out of the West, I think, has to be the favorite in the finals without, without a doubt.
1: Well, Brooklyn, maybe Brooklyn just goes completely nuts too, right? I mean, I, I just said Milwaukee is the highest ceiling. I mean, I sh- probably shouldn't have even said that. Brooklyn might have the highest ceiling if they can, like, get everything together. With uh, uh, Also, like, Kyrie hasn't actually been that good this year. That's also noteworthy. He was unbelievable last year. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, maybe it's kind of tough to only play 25% of the games in the season. Maybe it's tough to get in a rhythm. But, yeah. Um, do you believe in Utah? More so than I think most people at this point. Uh, the Ingles loss hurts, but maybe not that much. And they've been exactly what they're supposed to be this year when Mitchell and Gobert are healthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, if if it were Jazz, Grizz, although those teams seem unlikely to match up with each other, you know, I might pick the Jazz over them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Jazz, Nuggets, Mavs, like, the, those three teams, whoever's in the 4-5, And then, you know, I think I would give, if the Grizz are three, like, actually, I think that's going to be a really interesting fight between the Warriors and the Grizz, not necessarily for home court in the second round, but to avoid having to play a really good team in the first round. I think that's going to be the bigger part of that.
2: Yeah. Although, I mean, there's a chance you get to two and you end up playing a seven-seeded Clippers team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Although, I I think that's unlikely at this point. I don't think Kawhi Leonard's coming back.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Paul George is coming back either. They're supposed like to announce.
2: Months. They're supposed to announce something next week. But they, they, there was something. There were rumors that it wasn't looking good with the elbow. Now I, I'm getting the the smoke signals seem to be that maybe there's a little more optimism. But I think we're going to know more. Hmm. But they were supposed to announce something. I want to say in the next couple of days. So.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think they said reevaluation on like the twenty fourth or something. Um, but yeah, I think that like that's the biggest thing for me. because I mean, as good as the Grizz have been, I would say Grizz, Jazz, Nuggets, Mavs. I think any of those teams could beat one another. But if the Grizz can get out of the three seed into the two, then I think you know, I do think the Warriors are better than. The Jazz, Nuggets, or Mavs, but I think any of those teams could beat the Warriors. But I think the Grizz would be in a real dogfight in the first round. I know they've been better than all those teams, but those teams have more experience than they do.
2: Well, it's it's a question of experience, and then it's a question of the Grizzlies' depth advantage just evaporates in the playoffs because you don't play your depth guys. So... The Grizzlies still have star power too with Ja. Don't get me wrong, but like one of their big advantages that has been a win at their back the last three regular seasons go- goes away. So they have to. The, it's it's just going to be a little a little more of a slog for them. And Dallas especially has shown when they play Memphis, like they they have figured out how to frustrate them and just make it station to station, no running game. Everything's just in the half court, and it stresses Memphis's shooting and and show some cracks.
1: All right. So who's your pick to win the championship right now?
2: I I would still, I still think everything favors Phoenix. I certainly would take the field over any individual team. But if I had to pick a team, I think there's too many injury questions about Golden State right now with with Draymond and Clay And Phoenix, just when they have their top four guys on the court, even though they don't have one super duper student, Super-duper star. It is just so tough to beat. So I'm going to say Phoenix.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Golden State. But again, that's contingent on uh, Draymond Green and and everyone else, of course, being healthy. And yeah, Steph's slump has been a little bit disturbing uh, as well. But... um, you know, I think just the Warriors have matched up pretty well against the Suns, even when they didn't have their full team this year. So I'm, I'm kind of basing it on that uh, to some degree. I think, I think, they and have I would a say a matchup advantage. I would say those two but
2: teams I, are like a clear cut above everyone else as far as as far as the championship board looks to me.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to this year. I just hope I'm like kind of worried that the next devastating injury news is going to drop, but finding out, it seems like we almost have a brand new season with a lot of these teams. So I'm going to be watching the end of the regular season really closely. The play-in stuff is going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to the next four months or so. It's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully you agree the same about our show. Yeah, go ahead. What are you saying, John? All right, that will do it for this post-All-Star edition of Hollinger & Duncan. We will be back next week, but we're going to do a different format in terms of the live show. We're actually going to have a separate live show on Spotify Greenroom. That's going to start at 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, and go for an hour. So we're moving over to Spotify Greenroom. The pod will come out separately, but then we're going to do a full hour of Q&A on Spotify Green News. So we hope that you will join us there at 3
0: Eastern, noon Pacific on Wednesday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line.